So welcome to Jedi Fun Time, Episode 5. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. And the voice you just heard, everyone, is Mike Quinn. Yes, it is. Hello, and, everybody. And, <laughs> and Jimmy and Brian are here as well, actually. Yay. So. Yay, how's it going? <laughs> Yay, very well. Very good, thank you. So congratulations on Jedi Fun Time. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. All right. Um, shall we begin? I guess they're looking at me. I guess I got to start first. <laughs> yeah, Jimmy, you start. Uh, before the questions, I just want to real brief. Um, I've seen Mike a few times. Uh, first time I met yeah. him was was back at uh, Celebration Six in Orlando. Yes. And um, we, uh, you know, Matthew, I got a few autographs from you. He autographed a uh, vintage uh, Star Wars figure of mine and a few other gems that I had. And then I was, had the privilege to see your. Um, a panel that you and Tim Rose did together. Oh yes. and yeah, that, that was, was nice. I enjoyed that. That yeah. was that was just amazing, and I, I'm gonna hopefully I can talk about that later if we have time. But uh, cool. it was it was a great it was a great um, panel to see that, and then uh, it's just um, I've seen you again uh, earlier this year. Um, we, I was at a convention in uh, Lexington, Kentucky. Yes, um, that's right. Yeah, Lexington Comic Con, and uh, was, was there, and then uh, it was it was it was more personable because you were you know it, it wasn't. I guess I got maybe I got there a good time because you, were, you, you, know, you basically you know, no fans was around at the time and I was able to kind of talk to you more and get to know you better and uh, you and your wife and lovely lovely lady she is and uh, yeah Jerry yeah yes, thank uh, you yeah so it's uh, it was a, it was a great experience was able to you know talk to you on a personal level and you know to the fans it seems like you know you, we we hold you on a higher pedestal obviously because you know, oh. you were in one of our you know an iconic movie to me and. Um, it's nice to see how how down to earth you are and everything, and, and you're very personable. And you would talk, you know, you'd actually would take the time and talk, and not just like I'm just I'm here and oh, are you well, gonna, are you going to buy something, kid? You know that kind of thing. Oh, so. no, see, well, that's the thing. I mean, you know, I'm a fan too, and that's how I started out as well. So I appreciate uh, the movies and and what people did did in them as well. And I collect autographs too. I have since I was a kid. So I sort of get that side of it too, you know. And also I enjoy that. If if I don't enjoy going to shows, then I shouldn't be there. You know, if I don't want to hear what people have to say, then uh, why be there? Life's too short, you know. Right. Exactly. Um, before I forget, I want to ask you what's your uh, what's your most prized autograph that you have. Oh, me? Let's see. Well, let's see. I do have some... Uh, I didn't get them personally, but I have some old vintage uh, Laurel and Hardy autographs. Oh, wow. And, wow. and uh, some that I did manage to get personally are some uh, of the old uh, R-Gang Little Rascals okay. actors, the, some of the kid actors. Uh, many of them are no longer with us. So wow. um, so people that have worked with them and in those movies as well, in the old Hal Roach uh, movies, I, some of those I got and met those people. So. Oh, interesting. Um, and that's kind of yeah. Those are very rare. I have a, a Munchkin Wizard of Oz signature as well. And, uh, <laughs> nice. So, yeah, some of those. I like the old Hollywood stuff in particular nice. as well, and some some of the Brit- British actors as well. Mm-hmm. I got a lot of those when I was a kid. Nice Thank comedians you. and stuff. Do you have like a yeah. room you display it in, like your little like little hobby room? Yeah, there? actually, yeah. I try to put them all in little uh, simple black frames and, and make a, a wall of fame. Nice. So, oh, very cool. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, Jimmy's got a room for his too. It's called his house. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I had to stop everywhere. I, I have That's a problem. Great. So it's fun though. Yeah, you, you got to enjoy that stuff. Oh, absolutely. But you, ha- you know, one thing I did learn a long time ago when I when I had some, actually, uh, the, there was a great Muppet caper poster that was autographed by Jim Henson to me, you know, oh, cool. and signed by him and Kermit the Frog. Uh, he gave that to everyone at the end of the movie. And uh, I had that on display a lot at various places that I lived at. But uh, it back then, I don't even know if this was 1981 or so. I don't even know if they were doing uh, UV glass much back then. But it did fade uh, quite a bit. Yeah. So uh, yeah. caution to everybody, you know, if you're going to have anything that's reflecting any daylight, doesn't even have to be direct sunlight, put it behind UV glass and you'll be good to go. Yeah, I just I'm nocturnal. I just keep everything just dark, so I don't even run that <laughs> run that risk whatsoever. Every place he moves into, he, he paints the windows black. Very good. Just just don't smile because even the light may bounce off your teeth onto the picture and make it fade. So be careful. Just take your teeth out. That's yeah, awesome. that's awesome. Yeah, I mean, I guess I guess for the listeners that don't realize it, not only did you do work in Star Wars, I mean, you worked with the Henson Company for a long time, and you were in some pretty iconic yeah. movies. I mean, you were in Labyrinth and. <laughs> The Dark Crystal, just to name two. I mean, right outside of Star Wars, it's funny when you Google Google yourself. Have you ever Googled yourself, Mike? Um, yeah, yeah. I have to, well, I, I like to see what people are saying about me, you know. And yeah. some things are, are accurate, and some not so much. It's kind of interesting. There's some stuff on 
on the uh, uh, I guess some of the Wikipedia sites and various pages that aren't quite right or, or the IMDB page I have uh-huh. to keep correcting that because people go in and put things in that aren't quite right and I have to fill in a form and try to keep it accurate so I at least try to keep things um, yeah sort of updated as much as I possibly can right yeah um, yeah it's just um, uh, what was I saying well, you're talking about Googling yourself yes. I Googled myself yeah. and I don't think anything comes up other than our face, my Facebook page and whatever mm-hmm. podcasts right. I do right. I remember now so well yeah. and, and that relationship I had with Kate Upton a few years ago that comes up still. I, yeah, wouldn't it be nice <laughs> if there was just a big reset button for the internet? Because you like you're trying to find out information about a product, and and you know something comes up from four years ago. I know then you have to sort of do the you know search within the last year or whatever and that kind of thing. But there's all this old stuff out there that's just like wrong or useless or or confusing, and uh, yeah, it, it's just so much junk and noise. And yeah, let's just start over, right? Right. Yeah, sure. So where I was going with that is when I when you when I did just to get more information about you than I than the obvious through, through Star Wars and you realize you were in so many other films. It's just like, yeah. wow, I remember that. I remember that. I want to go back and then you actually will see it and you're like, really? That, that's you? Like, it's very interesting. Yeah, it, it's quite surreal looking back because right. uh, this will be I'll soon be what is it now? Thirty four years, I yeah. guess, or thereabouts. Right now, I've been doing this professionally, and um, you know now people talk about the uh, the eighties, you know, with with sort of fondness as in many ways, the golden era of, of that kind of film, and 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 you know, the Muppets were doing, just doing so so much at late seventies and early eighties. Um, it was it was a, it was a very special time. It, you know, it was before CG, of course. Mm-hmm. Television was still old school, and um, you know, the the movie industry was still doing things pretty well traditionally. So things have really, I mean, just filmmaking has changed styles have changed technology has has evolved so much so but to look back and you know a lot of this stuff actually does hold up pretty well i've noticed so it's it's quite pleasing that that uh, they have become these sort of big big famous movies things even like roger rabbit and, and little shop of horrors right. uh, people talk talk quite uh, fondly of them so i'm sort of glad actually that a lot of movies even like dark crystal are still talked about and remembered because we did work so very hard on them and, and put everything into this and pretty well had to reinvent the wheel at the time we, we rehearsed so much figuring out how do these things move and and uh, how do we breathe life into this kind of stuff you know that hadn't really been done before you know we'd had uh, Yoda which of course Muff, uh, the Hensons were involved in uh, from Empire Strikes Back so that was sort of our I guess our, our first point of reference um, but uh, of course, ET actually came, I think, right after Dark Crystal. It hadn't mm-hmm. been made when we were making that. Mm-hmm. And uh, I know that uh, Steven Spielberg came by to uh, visit the, the the Hampstead Henson workshop while we were building the the, the characters, and and was watching how he saw how the uh, um, hand mechanisms were being made with the finger extensions. I think for the Mystics, and I think that's what ended up being put into ET. But uh, you know, we were pretty well working this stuff out how do we how do they walk how do they you know how do you turn ahead and, and make it look real how do you how do you how do you blink you know when do you blink why do you blink um you know when does it become too much you know what's not enough so so we we, we really had to work all that out with a lot of film tests a lot of rehearsals uh the same with the building of the characters as well so it was it was a wonderfully creative a nurturing time for us all, and it and I was fortunate it laid the groundwork for the rest of my career. You know, J- Jim Henson h- hired me uh, at uh, at 16 in, in 1980, wow. and uh, you know he had this ability to uh, uh, see potential in people um, and to bring out the best in everyone. So when when I started, I, I learned from the best. Uh, you know, on camera, <laughs> you know, I'd, I'd sort of t- uh, soft. Uh, self-taught a little bit but um you know in front of a mirror and with puppets that i'd made but i hadn't had a lot of uh, any real on-camera experience so i kind of had to do, do that on the job but i learned how to perform muppets and how to be an assistant uh, for those guys and then with the dark crystal or the creature performance and body costume stuff and then directly after that my third film was jedi so we got to do all <laughs> these other creatures in that as well so there i was uh, you know 17 made three pictures and that everything I learned in those three films I'm still using today you know I was so very fortunate and I just loved it yeah I feel very fondly about those uh, those days for sure that's awesome now did you get your experience like firsthand through Jim Henson or did you have a, a mentor 
Um, um, yeah, pretty well. It was working with those guys, essentially. While we were shooting the Great Muppet Caper, um, we were also, I was also building podlings and slaves for the Dark Crystal. So we would also shoot film tests because it was the same film crew, basically, in the same studio. Those two pictures were shot back to back. Oh, wow. um, so while we were shooting the Great Muppet Caper, then in the evening we would do film tests for uh, the Dark Crystal and rehearsals, lots and lots of rehearsals. Um, so they kind of overlap, but um, other puppeteers would help. Some of the you know the older Muppet guys, um, Richard Hunt was always uh, about helping puppeteers uh, and, and calling on them when they make a mistake or do something wrong or something silly. You know, he'd, he'd point that out. So he was he was a good mentor for everyone as well. But but uh, you know I would watch and study what Jim Frank and all the Dave and Steve, all the puppeteers were doing, and Jerry, and uh, emulate them. And so oftentimes. When they had a crowd scene, or you know, or a wide shot, uh, oftentimes there'd be three or four of Jim's characters in that same shot, and the same for Frank. So then they would put people like me in to, to double up for those uh, uh, shots. Okay. So you'd be covering Fozzie or Ralph the dog or whatever. Mm -hmm. So you kind of had to learn on the job and uh, not screw up, you know. Right. Uh, and then I would assist them. Sometimes like, I'd get to help Frank with Fozzie doing his right arm, or with Piggy, or, or help do uh, Kermit's arms for, for Jim Henson. So I really did learn right next to them, right under them. I absolutely, yeah, yeah. It was the best, the best. Well, that's that's amazing. Yeah, especially <laughs> when you're when you're doing you know um, scenes and stuff. I mean, they run several minutes. The last thing you want to do is yeah, screw up your part because then you know no one wants to uh, reshoot that. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's true. It's an expensive. Uh, right. Yeah, I, mean, I remember at the time hearing how much um, it would cost for a, a minute of. of on set time you know so if you if you happen to crack a joke you know on set that's like you know another ten thousand dollars gone wow. so <laughs> yeah <laughs> you don't want to do it's that behind you the scenes be that it's guy. amazing you know you, you don't know this stuff but it's, it's very <laughs> cool to hear that stuff um yeah. <laughs> uh, my buddy over here brian is just dying to ask you about stuff like dark crystal yeah actually all um, right hello brian I, I know um you mentioned that you spent a lot of work building the podlings and yeah. then I know that you uh, played the Skeksis Slave Master. Yeah, that's what he was called at the time. Yeah, yeah. he was later named Skekna. Skekna. But, uh, but yeah, he was. You know, he was. The, the, the names were descriptive, of course, of their jobs. So my job was to herd the the podlings and slaves around. And what what did it feel bus. like to um, turn your podlings into slaves? Oh, it was fantastic. Yeah, you know, why not get get to drain <laughs> all their essence and and herd them about and. <laughs> you just put a different hat on, you know. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> um, yeah, we made. I think we actually made fifty podlings, wow, five wow. zero, and about the same number of slaves. And okay. we had a few specials that were built. Um, most of them were, were just hand puppets, you know, with the mouth in the head, rods in the hands. Mm -hmm. um, they didn't have any special mechanisms or anything like that. Um, but we had sort of standardized bodies, so about five or six different body types and shapes, older, younger, you know, babies and that kind of thing. And with the head sculpts, I don't know if there were maybe around, ooh, six, seven, eight different head sculpts that were done. And then they would sometimes piece different bits together to make them look different. But we had specials like uh, the, the, the Podma, the Podling Mother that took care of Kira, mm -hmm. um, that also did have an eye blink and that kind of thing. So a few of them had basic mechanisms. And the little baby. So we had some one-offs. There were a couple of marionettes uh, that were made that you see in the background. And then, of course, for the slaves, we had specials for special effects for when the the, the essence was being drained out of them, out of their eyes and their skin. So mm -hmm. so we made a few specials as well. But there were approximately a hundred puppets altogether. Wow! <laughs> wow! Yeah, amazing. It's an amazing craft that you know started to really seem like it was going to go away for a while, but. It seems like there's been a resurgence to it, which is kind of nice. I and agree. I kind of always hoped and knew that that, that would happen, but but uh, there's it, yeah. I mean, it's been it's never been busier as far as I'm concerned. Uh, there's just so much stuff now. People are wanting you know basic puppets back on television and in commercials again, as well as you know new types of hybrids and different ways of doing things. It's opened up a lot more now with with the world being smaller and, and of course the internet as well. There are so many possibilities now. But also in, in high-end uh, feature films, you know, there are a lot more puppet effects again happening. Um, and, yeah, you know, it, it's, 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 it's come back again, definitely. 
Definitely. Why, why do you think that, Mike? Do you think that might be from like Hollywood's point of view, like a production, like a cost um, point of view, meaning that for CGI be. being more expensive than going back, like you know, going back old school, yeah, or do you think there's just a demand for it? Yeah, there, there are different camps for sure, and I, you know, I hear different people make different arguments for that for each each one. Um, for me, I I, I think the practical effects generally should be a lot cheaper to produce and to shoot overall. Um, but even if they're limited, more limited in, in, in many ways than a CG thing that can do basically anything, I think the human brain much would much rather accept a, a puppet that perhaps can't quite do quite do anywhere near a CG thing, but it, it's, it's there, it's real. You know, it's, it's, it's casting shadows and interacting with, with the human. And you just don't, you still can't get that with CG to this day. And you, you, when you look back at Little Shop of Horrors, you know, at the time, I think it was 1986 when we actually filmed that at, at Pinewood. And uh, <laughs> we were all, there were dozens of us puppeteers all, all pulling around these giant levers with uh, these sort of 60-pound <laughs> cables and, and building up big giant neck muscles and everything. And we're thinking, mm -hmm. working up a sweat, you know, thinking, oh, when's CG going to get here? Oh, this, this hurts, this hurts. <laughs> They'll invent it one day, you know, we knew it was coming. Um, uh, it'll be so great, it'll be so great. But, you know, when you look at, at that amazing footage and that amazing film that, that Frank and everyone uh, created, mm -hmm. you can see when that plant, when he's sing, singing Feed Me and all the other things, when he's, when Rick Moranis is right in front of that mouth and you see that mouth close, yeah. you see that, that the air sort of pushing against his clothes and his hair, you know, mm -hmm. and him reacting to that. And to get that any other way would would take a lot of thought and be almost impossible so you know everything we we got was pretty well got in camera for that movie so there's a lot actually that's a lot more possible than what perhaps a lot of producers and directors realize and a lot that hasn't been done yet so but some i think perhaps are getting it and and also some of it might be based on reactions to people saying that perhaps cg isn't always satisfying for them and maybe they're listening to that in in hollywood and other places Okay. Yeah, I mean, I, I, to me, CG I, I always thought it should be used to more enhance a film. Like, like Background. watching um, watching a lot of stuff that's got way too much CG, it just look, doesn't feel real. It doesn't look real. Like the Smurfs. Like yeah, or or like the Smurfs um, are real. How dare you? <laughs> <laughs> or like like uh, I remember watching when the prequels came out. There was a lot of CG work in the, for the cities and the backgrounds and stuff. Or right. it seemed, and it just looked too clean. It didn't. There is that. It didn't yeah, feel right reasons for that i suppose you know some of it is is physics you know if the physics aren't quite right or if, if as you say it's all digital and looks too clean there's that as well and um you know overuse of it too uh yeah i, I mean I, I actually do think and i've seen a few things where cg even cg characters have worked really well and you do buy into them but it is a lot harder you know uh, it, it isn't easy to do and so I'm okay with CG, and I, I'm all right with it being used with however a creator wants to use it, of course. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's great for hiding, for painting out puppeteers or wires or extending sets mm -hmm. or making something safe to shoot that otherwise wouldn't be safe to do, uh, you know, that kind of thing. It's all it's good in that way. But I would like to see with, say, uh, animated films, you know, the, the, the family sort of animation, I would like to see new art styles coming out, new textures and things, and not so much all the plastic look the whole time. So I'd like to see that being pushed more. Again, there's just a lot that hasn't been done. And, you know, someday this, these disciplines and mediums are going to come together, right? You know, it just takes Definitely. a Jim Henson yeah. or someone yeah. to do that. Mm -hmm. You know, Jim loved technology. He was, he was all about CG and pushing, pushing those doors and, and, and seeing what he could do. He was many years ahead of his time with what he, what he wanted. So he would have loved what was possible. And he, he certainly experimenting uh, with, with uh, new hybrids and all kinds of things. I mean, look at what he did with the Storyteller. In, uh, mm -hmm. That was pretty well, what was that, mid-86, 7, something oh, like yeah. that. Yeah, right around later yeah. end of it, yeah. Yeah, and that's just, you know, that's TV, you know, and he was, he was doing some great things in that. So... You know, right. I don't know if he could get that made now. I'm not sure. You know, convincing someone of a of a, a new style of series like that. But what a great thing! So, yeah. All right. Um, do we still want to 
we want sure okay uh, we, I got some more, we got some more dark crystal stuff on no i so, before we I, go before we be really pound crystal. heavy on star wars we'll just we'll <laughs> get out this, this stuff out of the way i just wanted to check um you did a little work, a lot of work with jim henson did you truly do some work on fraggle rock on um, you, you dropped out there did you say fraggle rock yes fraggle rock yeah yeah i was in the uk at the time and um yeah, I think we'd pretty well just come out of, of Dark Crystal and, and a few other bits um, in the UK. And, and Jim wanted to uh, set up the international side of his uh, his company. So he, he had uh, uh, Henson International Television, which was then known as HIT. Um, it, it got bought out later by um, other people that eventually managed Barney and and some other, I think, Bob the Builder and that kind of stuff. But originally it started as a Henson company. So he was um, figuring out how to make um, uh, international co-productions with shows like Fraggle Rock. So what we did in the UK was, so we had a, a, a separate set of, of some Sprocket, the dogs, and Gobo, Fraggles, and Uncle <laughs> Matt's, and all the matching costumes, postcards, props, all that kind of thing. And we would reshoot uh, the bits that you would know as Doc in the workshop with Sprocket. We would reshoot all those bits in the UK with actors and a new set, new characters. But the bits where Gobo went through the hole to get the postcard from Uncle Matt, we would have to match uh, because they would intercut. So we would reshoot all those things, match continuity. Mm-hmm. We shot new Uncle Traveling Matt's as well. For the UK, we also did uh, France and Germany as well. Wow. wow. So we, I think we had about three sets of puppets at one time when all the productions were shooting at the same time and we would maintain those puppets and coordinate with the new york workshop and and uh, just match continuity so uh so some episodes we would actually do three times in different languages oh wow <laughs> wow that's great so, interesting yeah yeah it was great though great fun and, and very interesting to see how the different countries uh, handle you know a, a production like that all very very different it was a great kids show. I loved watching that when I was oh, a yeah. kid. Mm, I still love watching it. Yeah, it still <laughs> yeah, it still holds well, up. I think it's a great show. It was good writing and yeah. good characters, and, yeah. and um, you know, it, it is pretty. In many ways, I think it's quite timeless. You know, there wasn't too much in there that would date it. You know, great songs and mm-hmm. great mm-hmm. characters, um, and some really clever writing. I mean, you know, to have a, a sh- an episode about death. I mean, that was really well done. It was fantastic. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you remember that one, but one of, one of my favorites. Yes. Yeah. Do you remember a favorite, Brian? What's your favorite episode? Oh, wow. I'm too old. Oh, Fraggle Rock. I'm going way back. I, <laughs> you're too old. You're the same age as Brian. Uh, yeah. <laughs> okay. There's so many. Um, you're the youngin'? Okay. Yeah. I do, I do like the, the, ep- the episodes when they go out into, um, I can't remember the world, but the, the, the giant troll people. Yeah, the oh, bogs. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, the yeah. bogs, and, and you know, someone <clears throat> always gets caught, and they have to yeah. they have to rescue them every time. I always <laughs> but think it was essentially all about um, you know teaching uh, uh, people to get along from different cultures and societies, yes. mm-hmm. and how they're all interdependent. Mm-hmm. And I think the doozers actually came out of of an idea from the Dark Crystal that there, there was to be some subterranean characters Those my that were ones. in the yeah. Dark Crystal. I, I think they ended up. You know, becoming doozers, I guess, in Fraggle Rock because they weren't used. I think that's right. All Fraggles, one or the other. That's great. But, uh, the doozers were the yeah. ones building everything, right? They, they were the guys building yeah. everything. Those, the ones fraggles like. those would, are the ones I always like. Would eat all yeah. their construction. Yeah. yeah. I would never know that <laughs> those, those were tied into each other. Came, but but yeah. either way, yeah, the, the idea didn't make it into Dark Crystal, but uh, I guess it got folded into Fraggles, which was very nice. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it ran, uh, what was it? I think, was it 96 episodes, I think, it ran for? Amazing. That's yeah. a lot, yeah. That's good. What was it like yeah. to um, film like Uncle Traveling's Matt scenes? Because those were usually done outside of the studio, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. That that is they were always very interesting. We'd have we'd have a stunt mat that we could throw in the air, and <laughs> we had a you know an armatured one for for, for uh, like photo sessions and stuff like that, and we'd have new costumes for him whenever possible. But uh, yeah, we we have weather to deal with. Often we'd get rained out. Um, we'd have to uh, crawl around a lot on the floor and in the gutter and sometimes on little rolling trolleys, little wow. little tiny low chairs on uh, on caster wheels so we could uh, scoot around, basically, um, in, the, in the real world and yeah. keep kind of low. But uh, oftentimes you'd have to be in uh, very... Uh, 
odd positions just to get your body out of shot, you know, especially mm -hmm. if you wanted to see them full length, for example. Yes. So lots of special rigs. But, yeah, you kind of have to work around the existing environment, you know, whether you're in a castle or or um, walking along a street or whatever. And, of course, then you have to deal with crowds, too, and people. Mm -hmm. So, um, so yeah, each script was, was uh, usually just a few pages long, you know. It was approximately a 30-second piece. And they, they had sort of a, a simple comedy structure, or at least the best ones did, where there'd be a, a set-up and, and, a, uh, and, a, and a payoff, essentially, a resolve of some sort. And the, the gag was that, you know, Matt thought, thought one thing was happening but really it was something else and he was putting on this bravado for his his nephew gobo so was, when all those elements were folded in together then uh, you know what what matt is describing uh, on in his postcard is not really what's happening at all on screen so it's a nice little idea it's very very fun great character of dave goals uh yes. performed him mm -hmm. and revoiced our bits for, for that so i felt bad for those guys that had to Darba, Gobos, and Uncle Matt's, you know, all, all guys. They could do it so much better than ours back then, but there you go. <laughs> Great. Yeah. Awesome. So, of all your productions that you did, non Star Wars related, uh, what, would, what would be your favorite uh, one that you worked on that you can remember? Let's see. <clears throat> I suppose it is hard because they sort of all have different things that, that mm -hmm. uh, I've learned from or, or that. that uh, is there anyone that stands out like, like the most memorable as far as just being just completely awesome on the set and uh, you're working with other uh, other you know coworkers and stuff? Well, it was just well, the biggest I suppose the biggest impact that that would have been for me would would probably be my first film, The Great Muppet Caper, because I was coming in as as a as a, a fan, you know, mm -hmm. a kid. Um, and I was, I don't know if you saw the other Muppet film where they introduced Walter as the, the new Muppet uh, yes. character. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I was sort of like the original real life Walter, you know, my <laughs> room was like his and, and, uh, you know, I, I was just a big fan. I knew all the scripts by heart and, and I used to, um, try to, uh, smuggle my way into the studio on set. Uh, <laughs> So, uh, so I could be around those guys, and they got to know me that way. I'd actually uh, bribe my way past security and get <laughs> in, and all that kind of thing. And uh, yeah, while I was still at school, in fact. So, awesome. so uh, to to then, uh, you know, the, I was what I used to watch them shoot the Muppet Show, and uh, that came to an end in the summer of 1980. And then they went oh, across yeah. the street to the film studios, and of course they were starting on the Great Muppet Caper. So. Uh, I'd just finished school and, and uh, asked Jim for a job, which they, they tried me out for a week and, and kept me on. But, you know, that was wow. that was a dream come true for me. Uh, <laughs> where do you go from there? So, you know, uh, actually performing Muppets and working under these guys and learning from them and being around all these great actors and actresses as well. Uh, it, it was just the best. And that I guess that was a big turning point in my life and my career. So I suppose... Just for its epicness, <laughs> uh, you know, like I don't need anything more than that. That's it right now. You know, I'm, <laughs> I'm good to go. That that will always stand out for me, and that whole time. Um, but you know, probably ten minutes from now, I'll think of some other stuff too. <laughs> oh, great! <laughs> come, was, come to mind. Right? Was uh, <laughs> was the great Muppet Caper? Was that the one with uh, Gates McFadden in it? Uh, no, she she was uh, she worked on Labyrinth, um, actually. Yeah, yeah as uh, the, the acting stuff. coach for Jennifer Connelly. Uh, okay, or uh, okay. Conifer Generally, as we used to call her. Because I remember I, I saw her this year at a Comic Con, and I yeah. thought she was this Dabney Coleman's secretary in a Muppet film, but I don't remember which one. Oh, um, but that might not have that? been that one. It might have been different. Right, one. but yeah, she, she did. She might have worked on the. Uh, did she work on the uh, Muppets Take Manhattan, which would be the third one? Yes, Perhaps. that that would be the one I believe it was. Okay, yeah, that was they, right. they shot that in New York. Yeah, um, directed by Frank Oz, so that was the third film. Okay. So. Yeah, um, yeah, she did mention when she was on Labyrinth, also, and yeah. you you were you worked on Labyrinth, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, she we knew her as uh, Cheryl McFadden, then. That's yeah. right, because she got credited as a different name. Yeah. Uh, when you were on set with uh, David Bowie, weren't you a little bit? Absolutely, yeah, um, yeah, he was great. Yeah, we worked with him quite closely, and and did some photo shoots with him as well before the movie was was starting with Goblins and uh, what else. I worked on two uh, music videos with him as well for Labyrinth. Oh, well, really? Well, so, uh, yeah, he was great. Yeah, very, very, uh, very nice, very friendly, very creative, smart, uh, down to earth. 
uh, very professional. You know, there, there's a reason why he's survived this long. You know, yeah, I mean, he's he's excellent at recreating himself. I mean, he's done some, yeah. he's done many different forms of music over the years, and so I could imagine working with him on a a production like that or on the music videos. That he was he, funny, you know. He's the real deal. I mean, yeah, he, he, and he has a sense of humor about the whole thing. With, with uh, you know, even his costume he was wearing on the movie, he 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 was amused by all that, and he he was great with everybody. Very patient with, with uh, you know, the the puppet requirements and that kind of thing. But he had fun with it, and that's the thing. You know, he's a real professional, real hard worker. Uh, he, he's not. He's not. He didn't become David Bowie by by accident by any means. You know. Yeah. I, I I enjoyed him a lot. When we were shooting the um, uh, the scenes with, uh, it's near the beginning of the film when uh, Jennifer has to babysit the uh, uh, Toby the baby, and uh, she wants to get rid of him, and she calls in the Goblin King into the bedroom, um, which was sort of their first big scene together. Right. Well, puppeteers being what they are. Um, <laughs> Uh, in the late, I think it's late '60s. David Bowie had this song called uh, "Laughing Gnome." Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, so I got the uh, sound guy to to loop it up on his tape machine and play it through the uh, speakers on set. When <laughs> as soon as uh, Bowie arrived, and we had all these goblins coming out of drawers and wardrobes and cabinets, <laughs> so he played that for about a minute, and we all mimed to the song. And I thought, oh boy, we're going to get in trouble here. You know, I'm going to get fired. <laughs> I'm going to get everyone fired. How was his Dave reaction to that? Storm offset and stuff, but actually uh, everybody rolled about laughing and, and chuckled. He thought it was funny, and Jim laughed, and <laughs> we got away with it. But uh, I don't think it was on film, though, unfortunately. But uh, so yeah, so David was a good sport for sure. That's great. That's cool. yeah, I've always I've always enjoyed David Bowie's music, so it was yeah to, to hear how he was on set was pretty cool. That's oh absolutely that's awesome. yeah yeah he, he yeah he, he was very approachable. That's the thing. Yeah, just like a regular guy, you know. Yeah, sometimes you hear stories that you know people have two, you know, two different sides to them, and they act one way in front of their fans or out in the public eye, and then behind behind closed doors, they're a complete person, like a dick or something. But it's very cool yes. to hear that he was like well, that all around. I haven't seen him behind closed doors, but on set he was fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but no, in a professional capacity, he was he was lovely. There you go. <laughs> That's great. That's cool. Awesome. Yeah. All right. Anything you want to talk about, Mike, before we uh, go with the uh, whole thing with Star Wars? Why well, we're here? Let's see. Um, um, just to let people know, uh, sort of, a, a, I've sort of alluded to it here and there, but this could be considered a scoop for you. I will be um, opening up a puppetry course uh, sometime early next year, awesome. um, and that cool. will be an online one, so people don't have to travel around the world and Very all good. that kind of thing, and they can work at it at their own pace. But it will probably involve some. Uh, some uh, training modules and an ebook kind of thing. Okay, cool. And uh, uh, within that, it'll it'll relate to all the things that I've done over the years and on movies and television, and both in front of and behind the camera and animation. How you can use animation to to improve your puppetry as well. So uh, I know there are a lot of people out there that are really interested in learning how to how to do this or become better at, at puppeteering, uh, either for for fun or for schools or professionally or, or in in the media itself. Mm -hmm. uh, so, you know, there are, there are courses out there and there are books, but it, it is hard to get to them. And, uh, you know, I've been training puppeteers on and off since, I guess, what, 20 years ago or something. And I built the, these original uh, Quinny puppets that I, I make from time to time. They were originally designed for this uh, training course that we did in the UK and uh, in England and in Ireland. Mm -hmm. So I'm trying to wrap that all up now and pull it all together in a in a in a presentable uh, package so that people can around the world can can do this themselves and become as as good as they want with this. You know, we need new blood and everyone wants to get better, including me. So, and when you teach, you also learn more about why you do things. You know, you have to break everything down to the basics and start over. Why do I do this? Why does this work and this not? You know, or how do you explain to someone? You know how to how to get something look looking better. So, so it's all about um, being the best you can be and doing the best you can do. So I yeah I hope that that people will in, enjoy this. But but if they want any any more information or to uh, get on an early list, uh, they they can contact me in any method that they can find, and I'll I'll put them on on a list for that. So that's awesome. fantastic. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Very cool. Cool. Yeah. Thank you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, anything else? 
Oh, we can go right into Star Wars, I think. Yeah. All right. <laughs> I've heard of that. You heard of that? <laughs> Sounds familiar, right? Yeah. All right. Um, go ahead, Johnny. You got a question? You're kind of quiet. Go ahead, uh, I'm just enjoying listening. I mean, the stories are great to hear all the behind-the-scenes stuff. I mean, here's Johnny. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you 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 had a hand in a lot. <laughs> you had a hand in a lot. Okay. You, had a, <laughs> you had a hand in a lot of the uh, of a lot of Jedi, if I'm correct. Yeah, probably the most number of characters uh, in any in in one way or another uh, in in any of those movies. It's, it's yeah, it's quite weird. Uh, uh, let's see. Um, we started out working uh, uh, together, uh, with Tim Tim Rose and I, because we'd already worked on it, uh, on uh, Dark Crystal and Market Caper together as well. So uh, I started out uh, helping him with uh, Snoodles, size Snoodles. And there were two versions of, of her. There was the full-length marionette version. Mm-hmm. Tim was below and I was above for the wide shots. Okay. And then in the close-up, Tim was inside uh, working the main... It was just a half-body from the sort of waist up. So Tim okay. was inside wow. working the body and the base of the snout on like a universal joint, okay. cable mm-hmm. joint. And then the singing lips I had on a cable going out uh, outside the body. So uh, when you see her in close-up... Um, yeah, that was a cable-controlled mouth. Wow. So we did that first. Um, of course, that was all replaced by the CG version uh, in the Ooh. special there was editions. One, there was one of the things that did not need to be replaced. We were just talking about that before yeah. the show. Yeah, like yeah. some of the some of the I, ads were okay, but that that's right. one of those things that just didn't need to be done. Right. It was, yeah, I mean, I think from George's point of view, it was probably a, an experiment to see what can be done and how it works, and you know, it was. Everything was kind of being reinvented at that time. So, uh, you know, in hi- with hindsight, I don't know what he thinks about it now, but but uh, the time, I guess, it sort of made sense. But yeah, at the time, I was worried. Oh gosh, what else is going to be replaced? No, please don't do that. So I was oh, a bit yeah. nervous. But but uh, it's nice that people still remember the, the original Snoodles fondly. So so we did that, and we, we worked. Then we worked on Akbar. Tim was the principal guy for Akbar, and I I worked when when Tim was in the hand puppet version of Akbar. Um, then I did the eyes on cable controls. Everything was a lot cruder back then, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I mean, then, um, and then when Tim was in the full-length suit, then I worked the mouth on a cable, doing the talking while he was doing the guide dialogue from inside. Oh, uh, then there was Reese. Uh, there were again two versions of Reese: the three-eyed camel-looking mm-hmm, guy, mm-hmm. Um, and inside the full-length costume that was Paul Springer. When you see it full length, mm-hmm. and then when you see him, sort of shoulders up waist up like in the alcoves in Jabba's palace uh, that's a hand puppet that's me working it as a hand puppet okay. uh, oh, working wow. the mouth yeah. and the head and the eyes the eyes actually blink on that version the the mask versions don't have any articulation in them at all so right. they're just static so I remember well, we, we shot extra stuff with, with Reese and the sail barge but that was cut but um okay I, I think Brian actually has an Akbar question for you okay yeah, did you um you know, do the famous puppeteering for the lines, it's a trap, um, moving the mouth I, and stuff? <laughs> yeah, let's see. We, we did say that. I, I think, I want to say in the final movie, that might have been the hand puppet version. Okay. Okay. I think. I'd have to look at the f- footage again. So I we might have, we probably covered everything twice anyway, but, sure. but I think the final edit had had it. Tim doing the puppetry for that, and I was doing the eyes. I, okay. I do believe. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. We, that was nice, though. Great sets. I just used to love wandering around on all the sets and mm-hmm. jumping into the seats and all the cockpits and all the ships and mm-hmm. getting lost on Dagobah and all that. It's wonderful, wonderful stuff. Well, you were you so, were in the cockpit of one of the, one of the most iconic ships in sci-fi history, actually, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I love that thing. Yeah, the, the, the Falcon. Yes, that mm-hmm. was that was very fortunate. I mean, I did sort of. Uh, navigate my way into that role, but uh, <laughs> it worked out very well. Originally, they were going to have him because he was just a mask; he didn't have any articulation. I'm sure many of you heard this story a hundred times over, but yeah. so I'll try and keep it quick. But basically, uh, they knew. I think George had picked Nine Num as a for the uh, for the co-pilot, but there, there was the, he was just a mask with no movement, and so they were about a, I don't know, maybe about a month out, perhaps or less, from shooting that scene. And uh, I was with Phil Tippett in the workshop, and he was saying, yeah, we, George just picked this one, and, and I think now they want him to have dialogue as well, uh, but he doesn't have any movement, so we're just going to have to put a, uh, a, an oxygen mask over his mouth and maybe cheek bladders and, and get away with it like that. Yeah. And I thought, hmm, well, that's all good, but 
you know, I, I picked up the mask and put my hand inside and said, you could really make this into a hand puppet. And I showed him how you could do it. And he thought, oh, that's interesting. So what they got together was I, I sort of mocked up. There were two masks, actually, two nine-numb heads. And uh, so they, they, I mocked up one into a puppet with, with shoulders and, and, a, and a live arm and that kind of thing. And we did a little film test uh, next to the, the uh, extra in, in the other nine-numb mask and then the hand puppet. And George Lucas directed that, and he just sort of took us through our moves, you know, turn here and, and talk and all that kind of stuff. And uh, so I worked the mouth as, as a, just a, as a big Muppet, essentially. He didn't have any eye blinks or anything at that time. Mm -hmm. It was just mouth movement. And uh, stuck my hand behind one of his ears and made it wiggle, and, and that got a laugh. And, and George says, OK, can we do that? You know, how, how long will it take to, to, to mechanize this thing? And... I think Stuart Ziff was the coordinator, and he, he said, yeah, about two weeks or whatever. So he's like, great, let's do it. <laughs> so somehow I managed to get myself the job of performing that thing, and they, they shipped off the mask to uh, San Rafael, to Lucasfilm and, and to ILM, and, and they, they articulated the, the ears and, and the eye blinks, and it came back. Yeah. Uh, I do remember seeing some well, ears moving, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, pretty well ready to mm -hmm. shoot, so... I was gonna so when we were in the cockpit, his left hand was, because I'm left-handed, so my hand was inside the head, and his nine-numbs left hand was attached to the steering uh, yoke in the Falcon, and, and my right hand was inside his his glove hand, right really? hand. So it was done that way, yeah, yeah. So I was very fortunate um, that I got to do that, and, and uh, <laughs> it was quite, quite, uh, quite daunting to be in, in Chewie's old seat, obviously. <laughs> of course, sure. Next to the wonderful Billy D. Williams, who was, who was really nice. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but I did write my dialogue in English because it was not written down, and I knew that I had to interact with him. That made sense. So, and George Lucas actually directed that scene. Richard Marquand was on the other stage directing the Rancor pit scenes oh. Oh, at wow. the time. Oh, wow. So that's not been documented anywhere, strangely enough. It, no. it is so, not. No. Yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah, George directed. It was like a couple of days worth or something. So, okay. um, but I wrote down my my uh, dialogue in English with things that made sense. You know, we're not getting a reading on the shield and mm -hmm. you know, tie fighters up ahead and that kind of stuff. And and George said, yeah, that's fine, that's fine, because he knew it was all going to be replaced. You know, so <laughs> of course, no I mean, you know, you've got the, the the wooden falcon rattling around and creaking. You know, it's not you can't use the, the sound very often from those things. <laughs> So uh, yeah, so so when I saw the movie, it was certainly a, a nice surprise hearing hearing him sound so crazy. <laughs> I had no idea what they were going to do, you know. Right. But I knew they'd do something. Yeah, I was I was going to say that the one character that obviously you're most known for is the one you really did the least amount of work as far as you know uh, puppetry and uh, you know movements and stuff. So that's... yeah, we didn't really rehearse for it as such. Mm -hmm. You know, you, you, that's where you just got to dig deep and make it happen, and 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 you know try to get stuff on the first take right on the spot basically so, now you didn't even know the name of the character like so when you were reading the script did did you say like solston is this character that did... i think it was called um because the species name is solston that's what type mm -hmm. of species that he is yeah exactly it might have said nine num but it might have just had the uh the uh n-i-n-e-n-u-m be oh, okay. like number nine shortened it might have had mm -hmm. that in there at that time oh, I, I yeah, yeah. I, I thought he didn't have a name until his uh till the action figure line came so, out yeah pretty, yeah pretty i mean he was on a list as number nine so he yeah. was always okay. sort of known as number nine okay yeah <laughs> um, number so nine i don't that. remember if like but i think the cockpit stuff was some of the later stuff that we shot so by then they might have started to to give him up but he was referred to i remember in the script as alien co-pilot so you know <laughs> that may have been bold it was I, I don't really remember now you know we had to give the scripts back so yeah that was another question i was going to ask yeah. numbered and everything okay. so um so yeah i don't quite remember but maybe you're right so maybe it wasn't actually his name wasn't down there at that time okay yeah now were you able to keep your scripts after the filming or did no, we George to, lock it up yeah again? they would just give us our pages and they would be numbered and they would know who's got what um, and then we'd have to return them uh, at the end, you know, uh, because of uh, lit script leaks and that kind of thing. Right. Mm -hmm. So that's yeah. fine. George was very protective with the uh, with his film. That um, there was questions about uh, the name of the movie coming out. Like when you yeah. when you first got hired to, to do Return of the Jedi, it was called Blue Harvest. 
Now, when you when you saw the yeah. script and you saw the name, did you go to George and say, um, "I'm not doing a farmer's, uh, you know, a farmer's direct, or <laughs> well, uh, sorry, a farmer's, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? A documentary. That's what I'm looking for." Well, the thing is, by the time yeah. they came to the studio, it was uh, Revenge of the Jedi right. already. Yeah. They'd already changed it, so so Blue Harvest mostly seemed to be for the location staff and, okay. and the early the early staff. So by the time it came to us, it was Revenge. So now your your scenes were filmed over in the UK, correct? Not not yeah, in Arizona. Yeah, everything was done there. Okay. Ewok stuff. I was a baby Ewok as well. Yeah, and all that, <laughs> nice. that village stuff was all all sound stages. Yeah. Was yeah. that was that over at Pinewood Studios? No, that was all at the Elstree. Uh, I think at that time it was EMI, and it, it then became okay. Canon. And but it was it was one of the old. Um, British uh, Elstree uh, Studios in Boreham Wood. They had a, they used to have a few back there, um, and uh, in fact, um, they made silent films there. I think wow. Hitchcock uh, directed uh, the first British talkie there, uh, called Blackmail, in 1929. Oh, so, wow! Uh, yeah, so it had it had a nice bit of history there. And Muppet Show was shot across the road at the TV studio, which used to be a film studio, and now it's owned by the BBC. And they shoot their soap operas there, and goodness knows what. <laughs> so, uh, and half of half of L Street Film Studios is is gone now. Uh, you know, it got sold off uh, a long time ago, and it's now a grocery store, supermarket, <laughs> but which is very sad. And apart yeah. not, yeah. but the other half is still there. Uh, and I think they shoot some of the Big Brother, the English Big Brother there, and, uh. and a few other things, but commercials and stuff. So. Yeah, I was just there not too long ago, and and it was it was nice to see it. But the old canteen and restaurants were all offices, and the the bar was still there. I was pleased to see the little pub. You know, every studio has to have at least one pub or right. a bar. Right. I, yeah. I think every building should have one pub or a bar. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so uh, you know, it was nice in the old days to to be able to have a have a drink at lunchtime or at the end of the day, and you know, it didn't it didn't matter back then, I yeah. guess. Right. <laughs> How things change. Yeah, we had some fun. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't sure when the Jabba scenes when you were doing Reese, where you were filming in the UK or you were filming over here in the states. Yeah, all all my stuff was uh, was the UK. The only the only stuff they did over there, uh, I guess, um, of any the, the, of the big the, stuff was all the exterior, yeah, the desert uh, scene. sail barge, right, and and of course the biker uh, stuff. You know, the the exterior Ewoks, the, the yeah, where you, you know they're obviously in a forest and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. so. Okay, interesting. But everything else was yeah, sound stages. Wow. Awesome. Amazing, great sets, lovely sets though, and, and you know, just such great detail that that to your own eye look real. You know, wonderful stuff. And it shows up on the films too. I mean, and that kind of goes along with when I said that CGI just looks too clean. Yeah, yeah. nothing replaces models and sets for me. Yeah, and mistakes. Yeah, miniatures. You mm -hmm. know, environments. Yeah. Lovely, lovely mm -hmm. work. Yeah, absolutely. It's just magical. I mean, you can watch any of the old sci-fi from this. Well, not uh, granted, seventies isn't that old, but you go back to two thousand one Kubrick's film. Yeah. To this day, those sets hold up because yeah. he, he had them build it so mm -hmm. detailed and accurate, you know. And same yeah. with Star Wars um, and uh, Blade Runner, and you know all these. Oh, amazing! You know, those were all models and sets. Yeah. 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 All just sculpted so well and, and lit nicely and. And yeah, just a lot of great talent. Lovely, lovely work. <laughs> mm -hmm. So it's good that it's coming back, definitely. For sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely. Mm -hmm. Let's see what else they're looking at me. So I guess I'll go. I guess I'll go <laughs> what again. Else? Any other Star Wars stuff? <laughs> we're, yeah. we're just we're just, right. we're just enjoying the stories. It's <laughs> yeah, just great to great. hear it. Right. You know? um, yeah, of course. I, I was lucky that you know Frank um, uh, wanted me to help with Yoda because I guess he knew my work from helping him with Fozzie and all the other stuff before then. So okay. I uh, guess it kind of made sense. Plus, you know, I was. I was uh, thin, so uh, <laughs> I wouldn't get in the way of uh, the tiny little sets under there. Mm -hmm. And it was nice watching how Frank uh, approaches a character like that. You know, he, he approaches it from a, as though it's a, 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 a real actor, you know, a human, human character where everything has, to, nothing's left to random or chance. Everything's planned and worked out. Or, you know, all the, the cadences and the timings, it, you know, we could, we had that, we rehearsed that for several days. You know, the, he wasn't in the movie a lot, but the two or three little scenes and that was it but but we had everything down by the time we got on set you know we could re reproduce that same thing from any uh any angle and it, it would all cut together you know which was really important because mm -hmm. there were what four of us i think working that puppet 
altogether. Right. So. Well, it's definitely a memorable so, scene. It's really, the, the way, good job you guys did on it. It made it seem so lifelike. Mm-hmm. Even when you see Yoda in the prequels, it just mm-hmm. it just doesn't feel right. It's just like he just you can tell. I mean. Yeah, there's a different energy, you know, a different there's no, dynamic. There's no feel to it exactly. Yeah, I mean, apart he did look different too in the prequels. I mean, he had he had a different shape to his body and his mm-hmm. head and and that kind of thing. But but there's a certain a certain uh, uh, di- kinetic dynamic movement that that happens with the the way your arm is inside the hands inside the head and the way muscles and bones move and mm-hmm. and the, how Frank particularly holds his 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 hand and performs his puppets and isolates the little lip and and jaw kind of stuff and, right. and the little head pivots. It's all it all makes those dynamic moves and and as I've said to other people, when even when he was dying, he still had a certain uh, energy to him and a certain yeah. right. uh, 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 I don't know what it is. Uh, he was he was still clean and uh, sometimes animation, if you're not careful, can tend to be a little bit uh, swimmy. And uh, you know, like stuff's underwater, and everything's moving all the time. Hair and ears and mm-hmm. clothes, and mm-hmm. you know, people are afraid just to to let stuff hold, you know, and, and make it really dynamic and clean. So, so the, I mean, it it could work absolutely. And, and the the thing is, uh, you know, I, I animated on Attack of the Clones. I was at, at ILM for a year um, on Jurassic Park three, and then and then Clones. And uh, you know, I was seeing all the things that that. Yoda was having to do in that movie, and mm. people were saying, "Yeah, you could never get a puppet to do that. You could never get it to do that." And I thought, "No, actually, you can because mm-hmm. you, a puppet can actually do a lot, but you would need different rigs, you know, like side entry bodies and puppeteers on the feet and back entries and different different rigs for different things. You could mm. make him spin around and kick, and he could still do all that stuff. It would just take planning." And rehearsal, oh, yeah, and uh, yeah, you know course. several different versions of the puppet and that kind of thing. Right. But well, with actually, clones, yeah, with clones you have totally animatronics, so it'll definitely help you out in that end as well. So you don't have to, you know, move four or five things at once to, mm-hmm. you know, to manipulate the puppet more or less. Yeah. And, and simulate <clears throat> what it needs to do. So. Yeah, and and the 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 technology that's available now for for faces and and you know that kind of thing, right. you can certainly get you know more accurate lip sync and nice nice brow movement and stuff without without having to compromise so that the technology is there now to, to do it it doesn't actually have to be cg you can have a, a puppet character walking along and turning and and doing all sorts of things and right. still have it be fully controlled you know without having to go cg so uh, but i do like the idea of using computers to hide puppeteers and blend mm-hmm. shots together and course, you know that's yeah. kind of yeah. fun yeah. <laughs> it makes it easier so, mm-hmm. yeah so yeah there's some nice things up ahead i think that that have yet to be discovered, uh, puppet-wise and animatronic-wise. Um, I'm seeing what's what's possible, and maybe a few people, other people are too. So, uh, you know, there's, there's there's new new territories that haven't been covered, and I find that very exciting. Awesome, that's yeah, great. Very yeah. good. Now, is there um, any characters that, besides you know, people know your basic and the well-known characters in Star Wars? Are there any ones that you did that doesn't stand out, or you didn't really get credit for it? Oh well, let's like, see. Uh, I mean, there's rumors that you might had you did some work with Jabba because I know Jabba was 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 puppeteered by a lot of. Uh, they had to be yeah. like seven or eight people that did Jabba alone. Yeah, I kind of jumped in and helped okay. a little bit. Uh, I think mostly it was in the sail barge when in that end scene where he was being strangled and stuff. Okay. So oh, I just, great. Yeah, so were, you, were you like the eyes or a tail or what? what I did, what do you I was doing eye bulges. Eye bulges when he was getting strangled. Yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, but yeah, I mean. The thing is, as a puppeteer, you're not really, you know, you're used to being hidden, mm-hmm. and they they like it that way. So, if you really want to be well known and famous, you shouldn't really be a puppeteer, I think. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but there, there's 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 other characters that I've worked uh, with and, and created uh, that I've really enjoyed, and that people don't really know very much. And one was a. a a, a blue, another alien, but a blue character that I created for, for children's television, and I think it was about 1989 in the UK, and uh, he was at that time he was just called Thing, mm-hmm. okay. <laughs> and uh, he had a he was a double act with a, uh, a a chimpanzee puppet called Hoover, and that was actually worked by Dave Barkley, who was uh, also on Jabba, Jabba. He was the main puppeteer for Jabba the Hutt, wow. and uh, worked on Yoda on Empire and Jedi. 
And we had a company together in England for about 10 years. So uh, so we had this TV show where we, we worked these characters. And later on, uh, for about maybe a month or so, my uh, character had a chat show as well where we'd just, uh, we wouldn't have any scripts. We'd just sort of improvise. We, we had guests on, basically, and we'd just shoot the breeze. And um, I think one, cool. <laughs> one episode we had Professor Rubik in, you know, Rubik's Cube fame. And, and uh, because we, we had like four guests a day that we had to crank through, uh, two in the morning, two in the afternoon. So it was hours and hours of stuff we'd, we'd just crank out every day. And I think I must have been getting a bit scrambled. I remember calling him Professor Cubic. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he noticed too much. <laughs> so, uh, so anyway, I, I'm uh, yeah, I'm, I'm sort of bringing him back now. I'm going to rebuild him with a slight redesign and uh, using some more technologies for that. Okay. And he's he's the one that you may have seen around called Diddly Squat. Slight mm. different spelling to what you would think, but oh, his okay. his name is Diddly Squat, okay. and he will be. Coming to life next year as well. Is he going to be again after? Is he going to be using your your online class that you're going to be offering? Um, no, no, actually, no? he's a totally separate thing. He'll, okay. I'll introduce him in a short film, um, uh, and, and that will give me a chance to to get the puppet built and to to experiment with my other technologies oh, okay. and techniques. Oh, cool! And uh, yeah, it'll be a very uh, cinematic, filmic kind of short. You know, not just like a TV web thing but mm -hmm. <clears throat> i wanted to look decent with a proper story and everything cool. so very cool so yeah that's something that i would like people to to know about and enjoy later on that i i was enjoyed and want to want to uh, spend some of my time with so okay. to answer your question <laughs> all right well we'll step away from star wars for a little bit and uh talk about your most recent work was it when you did uh the uh, commercial for was a toyota for the um you did a muppet commercial for toyota, toyota for the super bowl ad last year Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, we we're actually yeah busy with all that. Mm -hmm. We did uh, a whole bunch of uh, there were several commercials. Which for, which uh, character were you? I'm trying to remember. Oh gosh, well actually, um, <laughs> who yeah who didn't I do? We we there was <laughs> uh, there was a core you know they brought in the core um, Muppet puppeteers and then mm -hmm. they had a handful of us guys our support team basically. So again, mm -hmm. we jump into principal characters when there were there were more than one of them. Um, and do right hands and chickens and yeah. you know the usual mm -hmm. sort of stuff. So so well, you know sometimes you'd be helping with Beaker or or uh, Doctor Teeth or whatever. Okay. Um, nice. So there, yeah, there was one uh, scary shot because we made something like I want to say maybe there were five main commercials for Toyota and then we had lots of little sub commercials that we made outside of those and I think two of them were in Spanish oh, <laughs> um, but there was one I don't know if you saw it where there's uh, it ends up with sort of a, a Mardi Gras. No. At the end, and uh, uh, Terry Crews is is sort of. Yes, I've seen that. You one. Seen you saw that one? Okay. Yeah, dancing with his shirt off. And, yes. and they're all, there's all these Mardi Gras people, and the cars really? coming toward camera. Well, um, normally, uh, you know, we had a, a stunt guy, a, a, a driver, for all the car driving shots, um, and he'd just put a, a black mask on, and then you know people would operate the puppet just in front mm -hmm. of him. So if you caught a glimpse of of that in the wide shots you just see dr teeth driving you know mm -hmm. but for this shot um because it was front on to the screen and the car didn't have to do much um they just i was in dr teeth as as the driver and uh the car was turned on i couldn't see what i was doing <laughs> <laughs> uh there were puppeteers in front of the car there were dancers everywhere hundreds of extras and uh i think we had a monitor but it wasn't really it was a radio monitor, so we couldn't really see very well. I think it would go out every time we went to film or whatever, so I couldn't really see anything. <laughs> they had a walkie-talkie in the car, but they had guys at the back pushing the car. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and the idea was that I was supposed to uh, hit the brake with my own foot while I was while this puppet was driving the car. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, my, yeah, my two thoughts were... That's the accelerator. Do not touch it. <laughs> 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 or else, yeah, the camera will be gone. The puppeteers will be everything. So I had full control over this damn car while I was laying on my back working a puppet driving. And that, that was is hilarious. quite scary. And so, yeah, so my other foot was uh, carefully on the brake. Well, anyway, for the most part, you know, I'd hear them holler uh, stop, you know, so I would put my foot on the brake and mm -hmm. the car would stop um, at the given time, you know. It was going really slowly, but nevertheless, it was it was a moving vehicle <laughs> yeah, sure, uh, sure. with about uh, eight puppeteers inside. Wow. Uh, 
because that's the whole point of the uh, adult course is it's got mm -hmm. no room for boring and there's the, you can yeah. put thousands and thousands of chickens and goodness knows what in there <laughs> so but there was one take where i know what was it i think they said oh we're gonna uh we're not gonna move the car on this one you know <laughs> great or whatever so i thought okay i don't have to worry about it um now did you get hazard pay for that because it was a moving car and under, <laughs> working under no, extreme conditions uh, <laughs> that would have been good insurance i'm sure if i killed everyone but, uh, <laughs> However, I think the memo didn't get to the guys at the back pushing the car <laughs> to launch it. And so we're in this, in the middle of this, and then we're doing the whole song, you know, they're doing a whole long take mm -hmm. on the whole thing for coverage. And I thought, hmm, feels like we're moving, because I couldn't <laughs> see out. Really. But this doesn't sound too good. Maybe just for safety, let me just put my foot on the brake, you know. And, and sure enough, yeah, had I, had I waited probably another 10 seconds, that would have been it for everyone. So, oh, wow. so things like that, you know, can happen. But it, it, they were a lot of fun. And also, we also did a, 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 some, uh, I don't know if you saw the Lipton tea ads. with yes. all mm -hmm. the. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we, we did those uh, as well at Universal Studios, uh, I think just a little bit after that. Uh, so we got to perform lots of animal uh, in various... Uh, <laughs> various uh, costumes and stuff. That was a hoot, and I uh, helped uh, Steve with Kermit with the all the glasses of tea and drinking the tea out of the cup. <laughs> all, the, all the complicated rigs with that. So mm -hmm. that was nice. And then we did some subway commercials too. I think the ones I worked on were for the UK and Ireland. There were about oh, three okay. of those. That's why I haven't seen them. Okay. Um, yeah. So so it was quite a busy time then. Was that your most um, recent work then, the subway one, or was it the Super Bowl, um, the Toyota gosh, ad? Uh, I think I think it was Super Bowl, then Lipton, then Subway. Okay. Actually. okay. Uh, and uh, yeah, and, and I'm I'm uh, currently trying to finish up a, a music video for a musician. Uh, he's uh, an American, but is living in the UK. Oh, I was going to go with Weird Al. Weird Al there for a minute there. But... <laughs> <laughs> so so I'm I'm uh, uh, producing and directing that, and uh, it's cool. a it's a two foot high rod puppet. And oh wow. He's, he shot his uh, face singing the song, and I'm projecting the face onto uh, a blank head wow. from oh. the outside. So, and I have it all rotted up, so we're on a little portable projector. So wherever his head turns, then then the projector follows. Oh, um, so cool. yeah, so That's it's cool. kind of supposed to be a, a dark, you know, very very not Muppet thing, mm -hmm. uh, much more sort of uh, textured and and dark looking i think so it's quite quite fun to do that as something different so i'm finishing that up right now and then uh, onto the uh onto the puppetry training uh, stuff um but yeah it's just it's been a wonderful wonderful time very very busy and creative and every now and then i make another batch of practice puppets for people as oh well. that's great yeah and then uh, early next year i have to get busy on this uh short film with diddly squat too um, and we just did the, uh, I don't know if you, any of you caught it, we did the, a, a nice TED Talk with Kermit in Mississippi a couple of weeks ago. No, I didn't, um, no, I didn't which, see that. Yeah, that's online now, I think, okay. if you go to uh, is it on your Is it on your website at all? Or are you, are um, you? No, I haven't oh. actually updated that for a few years, on, oh, which wow. is terrible. I need to do that, but it's, there's, there's, I think I posted a link to it on Facebook there. But, okay. but uh, if you type in TED Jackson, Mississippi or something, mm -hmm. or Kermit TED Talks, uh, there's a there's a link to it from there, but it was a yeah twenty ish minute piece, um, which was really nice. It, it it talked a little bit about you know how how Jim created and and uh, it's it's a lovely little piece. Uh, that was actually the most recent thing I did. Okay. Uh, helping cool. helping Steve with that. Yeah, definitely check it out if you can. It's a lovely little little thing. So, yeah, yeah, it's great. Cool. Right. So my goodness! So you're up to uh, ten thousand fans now on <laughs> on Jedi. Fun time. Oh, we're we're, time we're going big. Right? We're going big time now. We, we hope out, so. Yeah, we definitely got the ten. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Wonderful stuff. Uh, yeah, and uh, and yeah, thanks for for hunting me down and and uh, 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 you know getting me to to do this. I really appreciate it. Well, well we really appreciate it. We appreciate you it. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. Thanks for taking the time. Great. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Hope to see you all again uh, before too long. For sure. Uh, definitely. Definitely. Yeah, if I see you yeah. uh, if I see you in April at uh, Celebration 7, I'll definitely we uh, go out for a beer or something. Please. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, hope so. Hope so. It's still a bit early days for that, but right. uh, usually that stuff all comes together at the last in the last sort of month or so. Okay. Mm -hmm. so, real, real quick, what yeah, so what are your are thoughts? You going to be there? Oh yeah, I'm definitely gonna be there. Yeah, yeah that's, that's a given. 
Jimmy's kind of our field reporter. Yes. Very <laughs> no. uh, good. I, I, good. We might take the show on the road. We'll see. I'm trying to get these guys to come with me. So. Should. You totally should. <laughs> um, what's Wonderful. Your, what's your, real quick, what's your take on uh, Episode 7? We're going to be talking about that uh, oh, later on. Oh, yeah, yeah. I can't wait. Absolutely. I mean, it, 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 from what everyone's saying, it just sounds like it's just fantastic. So. Mm-hmm. You know, Abrams, um, Abrams has knocked on your door at all for your reprise role of uh, Nan? Um, no, Nan? funnily enough. However, I have a theory about that. I've noticed that um, uh, Lando isn't doesn't seem to be in this film, does he? Right? No, no, no. not in seven. No. I, I have a feeling he's going to be in well, eight. That's mm-hmm. my theory because so he, there you go. Yeah. All right, yeah. I'm going to go with that one because mm-hmm. doesn't it make sense that we're together? Right? right. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I would think so. I yeah. don't Lando make a return. So let's say. Uh, yeah, let's put that out there for episode eight, right? Yeah, that hope, sounds like a great idea. I hope he comes and does like some smuggler missions or well, something I, like I that. Well, I think episode eight will have have the two of them, you know, just swipe and steal the Millennium Falcon and go off on their own adventures. It's sort <laughs> of you, know, you know, you know, because Han and Leia they have a family they have to deal with and stuff. I mean, it's well, just the, yeah, who, the, who needs that? Right? Yeah, I mean, the, the, <laughs> the sports car of uh, spaceships is just sitting there not being used. <laughs> we should also, yeah, yeah, they could make one of their. Uh, Sub films uh, with my character, couldn't they? That'd be nice. That would be, that'd be, be cool. great. That'd be great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, they're in between movies. Yeah, where I can kick uh, kick Boba Fett's ass or something. <laughs> <laughs> Give me a nice big blaster like the toys have. Yeah, you know, definitely. I feel that'd be, that'd be great. A big gun. Well, yeah. At least you have your own action figure and your own statue, so that's that's a good thing. You, mm-hmm. Yeah, you got it's, that. It's not bad, is it? And it, the thing is, it's still there. It's it, it'll be around for a, for a long time after I'm gone, and that's that's actually really really very cool. Right. So I'm very sure. grateful, and everyone's is. been so nice about it. You know, all the fans and and everything. And it, it's it's funny how he keeps popping up in all the in all the pop culture references. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's mm-hmm. it's very gratifying. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's the the thing that keeps on giving. That's for sure. That's great. That's Very awesome. Good. <laughs> All right, Mike. We won't uh, keep you long. Keep around longer than we already have. So we appreciate you coming on the show. Yeah, no yes. problem. Keep us posted on uh, you know the uh, training films and all that. Absolutely. Thank you. Yeah, yes. definitely will. Definitely yeah. will. Sounds so good. now I've just got to find. Uh, now I've got to leave this phone box and go back. To, uh, get on the bus to go home again. It's a three-hour ride. So, oh, wow. where where are you at? Are you? I thought maybe no, you were I'm at home. Teasing. I'm at uh, home, really. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, we have this magnific- just... we have this magnificent magnificent studio we call the basement, and uh... <laughs> sounds ominous. <laughs> Got to start somewhere, right? Yeah, for sure. yep, definitely. But yeah, like uh, like Jimmy said, thanks for joining us. We really appreciated yes. it, and uh, it was great hearing <laughs> the stories. And uh, we'll let you get yep. back to your uh, your real world now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've got a render to do next, so but uh, thanks a lot, and thank uh, you. I'll see you around for sure. Great, right. thank thanks, you. Thanks, buddy. Good luck thanks. with Jedi fun time. Right, Take thanks. care now. Thank, thank you. Thank you. All right, bye. Cheers. 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 <laughs>